Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White and today myself, Simon and Martin Keown turned our attentions to Saudi Arabia as we spoke to Saudi Pro League Director of Football, Michael Eminalo. Were the rumours around Mo Salah true? Plus, one year on from Graham Potter's appointment at Chelsea, has his reputation been irreversibly damaged? And Euro 2024 qualifying is upon us. Martin gives us his take on the current England side. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Mr. Martin Keown, good morning. Are you, like Simon and myself, thoroughly enjoying this weather? 32 oh. degrees yesterday. What? Yeah, it's been incredible. It's been a busy week, though. I haven't actually uh, set foot in it, really. No? No. Apart from the Schaefer bugs, which are tearing my garden apart, I've been out uh, organising nematodes to put on them to, to kill the Schaefer bugs. Do you know anything about that, Jim? I do not. And if you, I, if you've I got didn't realise you were green fingers. I know Simon hasn't got a lawn, but uh, on that apartment he sits on. In He's got an acreage. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I have a my in garden my house in my, Spain. Thank you, David Bellamy. Okay, my garden was attacked this right. week, so I've had to get uh, okay. wise to it. All right, Simon and I are feigning interest, but well done with that. No, I'm sure somebody else is suffering back home. Well, well, exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, it is Friday morning, and to kick off this morning, we are going much further afield. We are going to Saudi Arabia because the Saudi window came to a close last night. And I'm delighted to say a man, many Chelsea fans will remember, a man who has worked in Monaco, a man who has done a lot in the game and is aiming to do a lot more over in Saudi Arabia. The Saudi Pro League's director of football, Michael Eminalo, joins us live on the show. Michael, hi to you. How do we find you? <laughs> good morning, Jim. Uh, good to see you. And uh, good morning to Mrs. Uh, Kiwan and Jordan. Uh, good morning. Good uh, morning, Michael. With you. Good morning. Michael, thank you so much for doing this because I know out there it has been non-stop for you. So the Saudi window has now come to a close. Michael, let's get started. Has the league achieved what it set out to do in this summer window? Did you get in the cal calibre of player that you wanted in? Yes, absolutely. I, I think you always wanted to um, uh, to do a little bit more, um, but the feeling, um, uh, you know, come uh, uh, midnight, um, the KSA time, was that um, we are satisfied with uh, the business we've done. 
uh, we're, we're satisfied with where we've uh, we've put the league now. Um, we, we've got uh, some uh, really good players, some top players, and um, and a sprinkle of healthy world-class players. Um, and I think um, it's been a good start. Are, are you a- still sore that you missed out on Mo Salah? He was the one that you wanted out there, wasn't he? Well, you know, Mo, Mo is um, uh, is someone I consider uh, almost like a son uh, to me. Uh, he's a player that I admire, a human being that I that I absolutely adore. Um, but um, the Saudi Pro League is not um, it's not about uh, you know capturing headlines. It's about um, putting in processes and doing things properly. Um, and I, I, I the feeling is that at this particular point in time. Um, uh, a deal was not aligned, and um, and and for a deal to be aligned, uh, all three parties um, involved in it um, have to be happy with what uh, what they're getting. Uh, the Saudi Pro League um, is very very happy with where we are today, and um, we close no doors. Of course, you played a big part in getting Mo Salah to Chelsea, Michael, right? Yes, yes, with my good friend uh, Jose Mourinho, um, uh, who absolutely loved uh, Mo, and uh, we were happy to to have him. Wonderful player. Ma- he gave Ma- us a hell of a time with with Basel. You know, I have to admit. <laughs> Michael Simon's going to come in, and so probably will Martin. But I'll ask you this: What do you say to people who say, "Oh, this Saudi Pro League, it's nothing more than a threat"? And I would say that um, uh, you know that's not true, uh, unequivocally not true. Uh, we are doing uh, something um, that the, the country in itself, uh, if you've been to, to Saudi Arabia and watched their games, you understand that um, is a country that is passionate about, about football. And first and foremost, that's what um, um, the stakeholders wanted to do, is to give back to uh, uh, the country where 80% of, of its people are involved or interested in football. Um, and again, uh, we are also in the business. Uh, we're all in one global uh, business in the industry of uh, in football industry. And however, we we can enhance the industry. We will do so. And I think um, our entrance into um, uh, as big players in the in the industry will only bode well for um, uh, for 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 everybody. Michael, with that observation. About the uh, the acknowledgement of the fact that football is a global sport, I yeah. don't think anybody in their sane mind would object to any country developing their league and enhancing the opportunity to bring football as a primary sport or a big sport in their country. The challenge that people have is that it, it's moment in time it looks like you're a disruptor because of the economics that you're bringing to bear. To bear, do you envisage a point? anytime soon where you will start to adhere to the governance of worldwide football with things like financial fair play being at the centre of it? Well, I, I think to start off, um, uh, uh, part of the uh, job that we have at the SPL and, and, and its um, organisation and, and, and mandate um, is actually to help uh, professionalise the processes um, and, and the efficiency of management uh, of, of football in that in uh, in the KSA, and in so doing, uh, the intention is to ultimately um, adhere to uh, um, the the uh, you know the the, uh, the the rules and regulations of of, of world football. Yeah. Uh, so so that's that's why we're there. That's that's the first thing that. that do, we want do you to. do you do you see that happening with any imminency? 
because I mean I, I note your point about professionalising your sport in, in in KSI and making it something that runs in a certain way and operates in a certain way to the highest standards and the economics that you bring to bear I, I imagine will help achieve that. But going back to the central point, which is, do you see in the immediate future that mentality? Because right now, what you're doing is you're spending enormous amounts of money. English football clubs are very happy to receive it because you're paying over the odds for our players. And we're happy with that because it fuels part of the Premier League. But sooner rather than later, um, everyone's going to look to you guys to see if you're going to operate responsibly and sustainably like other parts of the football pyramid around the world. So again, is that an immediate thing you're going to be looked to it towards? Or are we going to see many more years of you guys spending money like it's going out of fashion? I understand your question, uh, uh, Simon, but I reject the insinuation um, that this is um, uh, a throw money at it uh, process. This is a well thought out and a well planned um, process that's been in um, uh, in the offing for a very very long time. Driven by money, we, we've always we've always uh, the intention has always been to adhere um, uh, to um, to whatever the, the the mandate of of world football as as you put it. There are countries in the world who will look at the Premier League and say that the Premier League is overpaying. Um, and and that was that was the thought. And and, and but Michael, you know, you're, you're driving a bus. For, it's not about transfer values. You're driving a bus through salaries. You're turning the whole thing on its head. You guys aren't paying economic worth. You're paying five times economic worth to be able to to attract players, which I understand is at the beginning of a curve. And my concern is, if I have a concern, is that this continues. So I don't know what I don't know what you would reject or what you think I'm insinuating. I'm, I'm not insinuating, I'm stating it. At this moment in time, the, the only lure that you guys have is economic and financial. Is, is that true, Michael? The only thing you that you probably can offer I, is money and bucket loads of it. No, I don't, I don't think that's true. I, I, I think it's, it's only true in the sense that that's always been the case. Uh, when people uh, made their journeys to the Syria A uh, years back, uh, in the 90s. It was also because there was some economic incentive, but it's also because um, with uh, those kind of economic uh, incentives uh, come a realization that the levels and the ambitions and the qualities will ultimately improve. So the bus that we're driving through, um, as Simon put it, um, through the industry is a, is, a, is a bus of ambition. It's a bus of, of, um, uh, of wanting to uh, help expand uh, the opportunities in the league. And I think um, that bus will uh, ultimately bring a lot of quality with it and, and bring a lot of um, uh, respect um, to, um, uh, to, to world football. And, that, and that's my... Uh, well, that's but, what, but Michael, what is the ultimate aim here? What is the end game as you see it? The end, the end game, uh, first and foremost, is is to give something back um, uh, to the people of uh, of uh, um, the um, the kingdom, um, so that they can enjoy the sport that they love. And 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 the the, the second part of that is that we are um, in a in a uh, in a business where we have an opportunity to do things right, and we want to do it well, and we want to compete. Where where we want to develop the sport to be one of the best uh, globally. But first, you know, it's been a uh, uh, um, the, the the Saudi Pro League has been one of the uh, best leagues in Asia, and now we want to take that global, and we want to make our mark, and and in so doing, we want to respect all the rules and regulations and all the tenets of the game, um, in so doing. But our ultimate goal is to be one of the best in the world and to help enhance the game 
uh, for everybody that's involved. In Michael, it. just I'm just concerned about how you expect to join up with the rest of football. So in, in yeah. the wider globally, yes. you initially want to grow your own league, but how yes. then do you integrate then into a so-called Champions League? I mean, is it even possible, or or can you not do something? within the golf area that you're actually in yourself before you look to go towards Europe. Is, is that the, indeed the aim, Michael? Do you want to burst onto the Champions League scene sometime soon? No, no, I, I think I don't know where that's coming from. I, I think that's somebody just uh, taking a, um, uh, um, a very uh, dreamy leap uh, into, uh, into a far-fetched future. I think our goal, uh, as um, uh, Martin uh, clearly pointed out, um, is to take uh, quality baby steps. Uh, and, and the first step is to stabilize our league, you know, make it very entertaining uh, for our fans. And in so doing, and dear fans around the world um, to pay attention to what we're doing. And, and Martin, that's how we hope to integrate um, uh, you know uh, uh, the um, to integrate uh, the you know world football as uh, so concentrate so concentrate on your league, make mm. it as strong as possible. I mean, the amount of players going your way is incredible. This so so this will be the plan year on year, transfer window yeah. after transfer window. You're bringing in pre the best players in Europe. No, no, I don't think that would be the the, the it wouldn't be the exact model. You know, some of the top players we've signed now, we've signed on uh, on uh, three to four year contracts. Um, you know, and uh, we, you only have an opportunity for for eight foreigners per, per team as it stands now. So I think we ha we have to move at some point to um, uh, to other aspects of of, of uh, football and club development. You know, infrastructures, facilities, um, development of young players, uh, um, encouragement of um, of uh, leadership values from. The top players that we've we've brought in, and, and Michael, you, uh, but you do, with, with respect, you do you do say that clubs within the Saudi Pro League are are not out to disrupt. Yes. But many Liverpool fans last week were holding their hands above their heads when Sam Matafiz came into this studio and sat and said to us live on air, Al Itihad had bid 150 million for Salah and probably would go to 200 million, and Liverpool fans felt disrupted. Well, I, I, I said that we, we, we intend to disrupt to enhance. And by that, I mean that we will do things correctly. And as you've seen, uh, Mo Salah have remained at Liverpool. Um, and um, I, I remember a time when I was just about to join Monaco and a certain player that I would have loved to, to, to have remained in the club um, was sold to another club for 168 million. Um, and um, it didn't seem as disruptive and uh, there wasn't all this um, uh, uproar about, you know, this is the business of football. And um, Mr. Simon knows that. And yeah. Understands yeah, that. I agree, yeah. Michael. But I, I did find it strange. I mean, there's a lot of noise in the Western media, which you must be delighted about because they're doing your job for you in terms of promoting <laughs> the league. Um, but I mean, how much substance was there, Michael? in the Salah transaction because it seemed a very strange way to go about doing business. If you wanted to take arguably one of Liverpool's best players and their iconic goal scorer, the way to do it wouldn't have been to make a bid on the last day of the transfer window, which gave Liverpool no opportunity to either sell him to you or replace him. That seemed a strange way to do business and people are ruminating that that's arrogance on the Saudis, naivety, or not even a legitimate bid. Does my observations fall into any of those categories? Um, I think I think your your observation, if correct, um, you know, uh, would have made a lot of sense. Um, but as you know, uh, and 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 Martin knows, and all of us who've been involved um, in football knows, um, the the rumours are never close to the fact. 
and uh, and I think uh, what you're expressing um, is is not even uh, close to what the reality was. So, so did Al Etihad bid 150 million? I think I will leave the negotiations, uh, you know, um, to um, you know to where it should belong, which is uh, in a in a in a, a very discreet vault. Do, do you think they'll um, be back in January, Michael? I, I don't know what we're going to do. We just will do what is right for, for the SPL and, and we'll take it, um, you know, one solution at a time. But just to be clear, yes, from your point of view, you do not envisage a day anytime soon when a Saudi team will be playing in the Champions League. I That's that's not been something that I've been privy to, uh, um, even as a part of a, a discussion or a plan. You, you would concede, though, Michael, that the Saudi Pro League has exploded onto the scene. 735 million in transfers this summer, making you the second highest spenders in Europe. You've come from nowhere and exploded on it. Well, I think um, um, what what you do uh, in this in this industry or in any other uh, business is you uh, identify an opportunity and you take it. Um, the opportunity was there uh, to um, to start off. We 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 had. Uh, different kinds of plans in, in terms of um, getting the league launched. Uh, but once the opportunity be, uh, became available uh, for us to do a little bit better uh, in terms of player acquisition, um, we basically went for it. Um, and, I, I, and nobody should be grudges for doing that. Uh, ultimately, what we want to do, I, I, I reiterate, uh, is to grow the league for us, uh, for, 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 the, uh, for the people of um, uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and globally, that's our intention. And we will do it um, respecting whatever rules and regulations are, are in place uh, and abiding you know, by the tenets of, uh, of all the organizations that, um, <clears throat> that have a hand in making uh, our sport run smoothly. Simon, on the one hand, Michael Eminalo is saying, look, we respect rules and regulations. On the other hand, he's saying, we're in town and we want to become one of the best leagues in the world, if not the best. Yeah. I mean, weeks ago, he said, we're in pursuit of finding the best version of ourselves. Yeah. They're on a mission. And, and, and they have every right to be so. And that, the reasons why uh, this guy's in position and doing the job that he's doing, you just heard. He's a very intelligent man. He's a very articulate man. He's able to com you know, com communicate his point across in a language which is not his primary language. And he's also an operator. You can hear in the way he interacts with people. And they will to a point, comply with the rules and regulations because at this moment in time, they aren't governed by any. Right? The moment they have to be, and it becomes a different dynamic. Now, of course, I've always maintained that it's a difficult ask to imagine them being in the Champions League. One, because of geography, unless there's going to be a significant sea change in the Champions League. Uh, and two, because they're going to have to change their parameters of how they operate. The moment they want to operate on the world stage... They've got to go and produce three or four legacy clubs inside Saudi in, I would say, a decade to make that football league stand on its own volition. Whether they do or whether they don't, they've certainly got the means to do it. If they want to be at the big table and they want to compete with the legacy football clubs in legacy tournaments, they will then have to change the way they operate. And if that then means that they've got to fall inside financial fair play, that will then bring the conversation to a very swift end about how much they're going to challenge the Premier League, La Liga and Serie A. Because if you are a legacy footballer or a top footballer, stop using the word legacy, if you're a top footballer and you want to play in the best football, and the only thing that is, 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 is there is no difference, there's no reason to go to Saudi anymore because you're not be given his financial incentives, I guarantee you the Jude Bellingham of the world for the next decade and longer and beyond 
We'll still be going to Real Madrid when those transactions come up. We'll right. still be going to Manchester United. And that's the challenge that Saudi have to overcome. I'm not ruling it, it did out. Make it, it did make it very clear, didn't he, for, that, for the here and now. I mean, if you're Saudi Arabian and you're you know living there right now, Jim, some of the players that are rocking up to play on your shores are just quite remarkable, aren't they? The they would never Martin. have believed it. Have you seen the attendances? What, 6,000, 7,000? Yeah, but Not surely there's right a 35 now, million population there. Maybe that's going to improve. Surely it will do. With all the, sure. the calibre of players, you've got Neymar in coming we've got into town. attendance in the Premier League of 40,000. You would have thought that the people that are making the most noise for the Saudi league are us. We're doing their job for them. Yeah, but this is something new. It's in it's in its infancy, isn't it? So it will grow. There's no doubt. The quality Not of players. They're the best league in that well, it's particular a gift. region. It's, aren't they? it's seen as a gift, isn't it, for the people of Saudi Arabia? It's an expensive gift, and whether it can be sustained over a long period of time, I suppose money it, it would dictate that. I just worry that you know, is it the right for foundation? Is it? Are you building uh, the I game don't on sand? This. Let's, let's by get, putting let's all this get, money. Well, there's one message uh, coming in, Simon. Guys, I think you've been pretty hypocritical here because uh, for decades uh, players have been coming here to England to the English Premier League pretty much purely for money. But Jim, oh, don't be ridiculous. They've been coming here because it's the most competitive league in world football. Yeah, but they, they know they're going to be superb wages and it's the best money available. Commensurate with the value of the sport to the country and the broadcast revenues. For many years it wasn't, and, though, and, and this, no, no. And this, well, since the Premier League, it's been... Yeah, yeah, since the, for the last 25 years, I think it's, we can probably debate the fact that the Premier League has been the most dominant league. Not the best, but the most dominant economically. Yeah. And the, what's driven it is broadcast values. Now, what's driving Saudi is something completely different. That's a whole different set of rules. I don't think anyone should begrudge any country, as I said to Michael, wanting to build their league up. If you'd want to build your league up and you want to make it as strong as you possibly can, why in God's name should anyone deny you that opportunity? Yeah. But if you want to play with other teams and you acknowledge the fact that you want to be part of the global community, then you can't be an outlier forever. forever. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. This is an interesting statistic. One year on exactly from his Chelsea appointment, we look at the situation regarding one Graham Potter. Um, it's one year 
to the day since Chelsea appointed Graham Potter. But one has to ask, how damaged or otherwise is the stock of Graham Potter? He lasted seven months in the role, and even at the time, people were saying to him, Graham, coming up from Brighton, where you were part of the fabric of the very football club, and now coming to Chelsea, it's a few steps up, is it not? Is it not risky? Well, if we walk out the road over there, there's a risk. You know, that's what life is. I mean, no one knows what's going to happen in the future. Uh, I left England, I think, when I was 30 years old, and I went to a club that had sat the manager every year for the last five years. Fourth tier in Swedish football, left a a secure job, left uh, my wife's business, and... um, you know, for an opportunity, and 17 years later, after taking, I think, careful steps with my my career, I've uh, haven't just jumped at the the first opportunity. I've tried to understand what uh, what was involved and whether it was the right time for me to take a next challenge. <clears throat> but I think that's what life is. You know, life's about um, going outside of your comfort zone. It's about um, taking responsibility. It's about um, believing that there's more to us than what sits here now and uh, and like I said I don't really see it as a, a risk in a negative way but uh, I think everything is a, a, a bit unknown and that's the beauty of life. So thereafter seven months into a five-year deal he was gone. Um, Martin what's your take on it? Is, is his stock damaged as a result of him saying yes to Chelsea? <laughs> Well, look, you just look at the history of the, the great calibre of managers that have gone to Chelsea in the past and how many of them have, you know, how long have they lasted? Um, I don't, I mean, look, of course, it's not ideal. We wanted to be successful. They paid something like 25 million to take him there. He was um, achieving quite a lot at Brighton. I, he kind of got them playing football. We see Deserve now taking a lot of the credit and he's taking it to another level. But I think Graham Potter was instrumental in, in bringing a lot of those ideas to the club. Of course, it was a, a club that has great recruitment. He's now at the the stage where he's now looking around for a new job. I don't think it's um, a complete disaster for him. I don't think his stock has has fallen as much as people want to say it has. We've seen lots of many. I mean, we're looking at David Moyes now at Manchester United. Didn't work for him, but he's still a good manager. He's still gone to another level. He still had a very good managerial career. Um, I think he's just going to have to look for the best possible job, Jim, for him to go into. I expect him to do very well. But the next job, obviously, is critical for him to yeah. get back to winning ways. Well, 31 games, I think it was, at, at Chelsea. Mm. Um, I think he what was it he won 12 games. Uh, I mean, the manager that superseded him and succeeded him there, was the record was even worse. So, you know, you might say, well, OK, how, how bad was he? But with the, the players that he had at his disposal and all of the sort of tinkering that he became renowned for, keeping making changes to his personnel from a back four to a back five, went against him in the end. Yeah, I mean, it was reported just the other day, Simon, that Potter declined the chance to replace Laurent Blanc as Lyon head coach. Yeah. But he was always in the conversation when we were talking about, sometime in the future, an England manager, an England manager. We spoke the other day about who may or may not succeed Gareth Southgate yeah. if he goes post the Euros next summer. And Potter's name didn't come into the, the conversation. No, but it was a car crash of an appointment from both parties. Um, you know, Chelsea coming out of a new ownership with a situation with Tuchel, bringing Potter in because he looks and feels like someone they can work with and be progressive in his thinking as they build a different look Chelsea that's centred around younger players and a different outlook and disposition. And then you've got Potter coming into a bigger football club and being given an opportunity. What people have seen and what people will have taken away, and by people I mean people that make decisions at big football clubs is he couldn't handle the challenges 
of a bigger football club and a bigger set of players. Now, that's probably unfair, but that's the takeaway. Where does he land now? Where he lands now is the first sensible decision he's made. He has made decent decisions. He's gone away, learnt his trade in a foreign country because he couldn't get a gig here other than a coaching gig. He came back with a reputation, went into Swansea, moved through the gears, right, um, and, and earned himself a place at Brighton and was building a decent side. Out of that comes a reputation. The first sensible decision he's made is to turn down Leon because David Moyes took a direction of travel which I think damaged him by going to Sociedad and it confined him to a different parameter. So whether he's looked to that and gone, because Moyes goes into Man United, an absolute seismic change... Out goes Gill, out goes Ferguson, in comes a different management structure, in comes David Moyes, gets no time whatsoever, the whole culture of United falls down the toilet, and Moisey loses the luster of what got him the United job in the first place. He then's scrabbling for years. He's scrabbling to regain it. He goes to Sociedad, that's not great for him. He goes to Sunderland, that's not great for him. And all of a sudden, David is, re is reclaiming something that we all know him to be, which is a decent manager going into Man United at the wrong time. He compounds it. Now, Potter... He's more sensible in this instance, and it's very difficult to turn down his opportunities. But you've got to think, if you're that good, you're going to get there in the end. Brighton were on a trajectory that people were just going, look at this, this is remarkable. Now, Zerbi's got the benefit, the benefit of this wonderful platform that Potter laid. Don't be giving it all to Zerbi, because Zerbi picked up this wonderful platform. It's really easy to bounce on a platform or a trampoline that's already been laid out for you. His, his decision-making process now is not to be out too long, to give himself enough time to recover, to represent himself, but take the right opportunities. And I think he's absolutely right for not going out to Leon. Okay. No yeah. doubt he's a good manager. The Premier League is probably where he, he needs it to come back to. It has to be. It's I the same know. as Sean Dyche. It has to be. So whoever's first sack, do you think Potter's name will be top of the list? Well, I think he might have had opportunities already to have been in that position in terms of other football clubs of a lesser stature inside the Premier League. He's got to hold the line, believe in his own value. Um, he's not short of a bob or two. So he won't be in an economically driven situation. So with that in mind, people need to, like, like, like Martin will attest to, some of the best players are the ones that haven't played for six months when they've been injured. They get better mm. and better the longer yeah. they're out. Yeah. The fact he lasted seven months, though, does that damage the image of English managers at elite level? Jim, I think you've got to look at the, the circumstances that he was working under when he went into Chelsea and with the owners that put him there. Do you know, there was absolutely no patience whatsoever, was there? When, when he went there I, it was a mystery to me as to I think it went against all of the, his ideals as a manager because he was nurturing young players at Brighton and all of a sudden he was being thrown players there wasn't even enough room in the dressing room and he didn't seem comfortable in the press conference he didn't seem comfortable in that environment it doesn't mean he can't go back into an elite club once again I'm pretty certain he, he will if he makes as Simon says he makes the right calls at the moment hmm. he just needs to Keep his powder dry, really. And you just... see, that's what I'm driving at. What are we talking about? Top six club for, for Graham Potter mm. next. Top four club, Simon. Is that what we're talking Who about? Who knows? When Marco Silva eventually bats his eye, uh, eyes at Saudi Arabia and goes over there, maybe it's a Fulham. Maybe it's something like that. Right. Something that's a mid-table Premier League club that gets him an opportunity. Now, of course, if he goes... He deserves the chance, though, again, to come oh, back I to the Premier so. League. I think so. Yes. I think yeah, so. I, I think, agree with that. You, you know, one swallow doesn't make a summer and one bad set of circumstances doesn't make him a bad manager. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Ukraine against England, a Euro 2024 qualifier. We're going to look ahead to that. Martin Keown, of course, has uh, played for England and knows what it takes to pull on an England shirt in a game like this. Are you optimistic, Martin, going into to the next game, the next qualifier, that all roads will lead to Germany and that this could be your moment under Gareth Southgate? This is a time that you're going to lift this major trophy that we keep on talking about. 
I think England are certainly uh, major contenders to win it, Jim. There's no doubt about that. And I think um, if you look at the conversations that they would have been having uh, in the early years, shall we say, when Southgate was was uh, on board, it would have been about qualification. How far can they go in the tournament? Now they're real contenders to win it. There's no doubt. Uh, and that has to come into the discussion. You've got to qualify first. That looks almost mm. like a, a formality. When you look at the quality of player now, Harry Kane gone to Germany, um, leading the line. You look at Foden, uh, quite magnificent to the start of the season. Greedish uh, injured right now, but we've got options, Jim, in, in really good positions. Bellingham in midfield with Rice. Um, two top midfield players that uh, a lot of um, other countries would be envious of what they're developing. The one area of concern for me is perhaps central defence, and that's why Gareth Southgate's named four pretty well unknowns in that position internationally. There's only eight caps between four players. Tamora, Gahey, uh, Colwell, and um, he, there's another one. I've forgotten the name. So th there's four new players coming into, the, into that position, and Gareth needs to look at who he's going to play uh, against. And I think it'll be Harry Maguire that plays. I do feel he gets... Uh, uh, a lot of unfair criticism. I do think he's a scapegoat for the Manchester United supporters. I do feel that um, things haven't got much better since he came out of the team. Um, Jim Simon likes to talk about driving buses through, you know, through football teams, and I think you could do that right now at Manchester United. And it's not—it's really the midfield that's the issue, and Harry Maguire uh, isn't necessarily the problem. Um, so I see him coming back. He was named in the tournament of of, of the World Cup. So you've, uh, you've got no problem with him not year. playing for his club, but playing for his nation. It's not ideal, it's not perfect, but it's a and, him and A and other that will play in, in mm. this game against Ukraine because did, of the did you talk When you played, Martin, did you talk about winning big tournaments? Is it unusual to hear Lewis Dunk say, we had a meeting the other day and the manager, Gareth, talked about winning the Euros. The whole squad's thinking about winning the Euros. Is it, is it advisable to talk like that? Well, I think it is when you reach the calibre and the stage that they are. When they've reached, you know, they've got to a semi-final um, of the World Cup, a quarter final, they got to the final of the Euros. I think they have every right to discuss it, to start to build that mentality that that you need to become the uh, ultimate to become winners. I mean, this topic of winners is one of, you know, you will see yourself as a winner. Of course, when you win a trophy, it cements that, doesn't it, in everybody's minds? It's it's the icing on the cake. But essentially, you have to go in with the mentality of being a winner, uh, and that's what Gareth, I believe, is trying to trying to breed with within the group. Um, but they've got to go and do it, Jim. Of course they have. That's the uh, thing, isn't it? Got to yeah. do it. Saying it's go one do thing, it. doing it's another. But then when you look at the calibre of player that we have, and if you look at Bellingham now, right now, for Real Madrid, he's been absolutely magnificent. And he can cause havoc in, in the summer, in the Euros. I, I feel certain of that. So we have the players to do it. It's just Gareth now getting the right blend, getting the right mix and finding the right formation to really go after this uh, Euros. You see, I know you probably won't shift your stance in Southgate, Simon, and why should you on uh, whether or not he's a winner? And you have doubts as to whether he is a winner. When Garth was in this very studio sitting in that seat that Martin's sitting on, I put that to him, accusations that he's not a winner. You can only answer that by winning. So in the end, if that's the only assessment of anything, then you have to accept as a football manager, you've got to get into that winner's enclosure. Now, only one international team can win. And as I said, you've got one opportunity every two years to do that. So... If in the end that's that's the judgment, that that is what it is. We obviously hadn't been to a final for 50, 60 years. So take myself out of it, but these players have managed to give the country some incredible nights over the last few years. And their, the appreciation of what they have done, I think, is important because 
there was a lot of fear around playing for England and, and they've managed to be a really good version of themselves in an England shirt. So that's what Gareth says. To be honest, Simon, I don't have a problem. If I was an English England fan, I, I quite like hearing Lewis Dunk saying, it's now, we'll win this tournament. We want to win this tournament. It's what we're there to well, do. Well, of course. But, I mean, Fair Lewis, enough. But Lewis Dunk is... is peripheral noise he's not an established part of the team he's he's joined the squad so you would like to hear those sort of things being said by even the peripheral players <clears throat> by the way it's not the it's not the only assessment of what a winner is it's the ultimate assessment so if you want to deflect an answer you know you've been put into a job you've got to a world cup semi-final you've got to a european championship final and the needle has now moved, so one expects you to go to the next level. People were disappointed with the fact we didn't overcome the French because on the journey that we've had, because we have to, we sit in these studios talking about this remarkable football pyramid that we have in this country, talking about the remarkable wealth of the Premier League and the remarkable achievements of this gifted generation of footballers playing for the biggest clubs. Yet our international side has managed to set itself a low standard for 56 years and achieved that low standard repeatedly. So it's no real use for Gareth. No standard. To, Getting to the final of the Euros at Wembley. But up until the points, up until the points that we got to a final at Wembley, we set our low we set ourselves a low standard for fifty-six years. We didn't even qualify for World Cups in nineteen seventy seven. We didn't even qualify for European Championships in two thousand. Some of the things that we've done at an international level have been nothing short of shocking. We did we did for the we talent did, that we we've did, got. Two thousand I was there myself in Shallowa, so we did qualify in, in two thousand. But look, I understand European, I understand essentially well, what Keegan you're Keegan's rank didn't get you qualified for the Europeans, did it? Was it the following was it the two thousand two Europeans? He, he was all right. He, we got there. Two thousand, beat Scotland, didn't we, Jim? In the on the way there. So that was dealt with. I understand what you're saying though, in terms of hey, look, we won the World World Cup, and then in '74 we didn't make it to the next to to, to a World Cup final, which was um, we didn't make it again in '78. Well, no, which was a real disgrace when you look at, at the development of our game. Um, but I think we're on the way now to doing something quite special. I do believe, Jim, that the biggest change is our midfield, and I do think that we have a midfield now that can control games, actually boss games, instead of just staying in games long mm. enough to maybe pinch it. And that's the difference. And that may, means he can play a back four now instead of a back five. I do feel the back five system only gets you so far. And what is this something special that you're going to do? Whether you go on and win the Euros. Right. it's a special thing to do. Do you think they'll do it? I think they have a, a really good opportunity. No, but do you think they'll do it? Only time will tell, Jim. I'm not prepared to... Oh, so, so I stand here and say, we're going to win it and that's it. No, we have a very good chance of winning it. At the start of every Premier League, I put myself in that situation as a group of players. What, that does, ask, what, what does it make if it does put yourself in that situation? Well, no, I, because that's the that's the job of being a pundit. You're right, by the way. It was McLaren's mob that didn't qualify. It was 2007 that didn't qualify for the Euros. Um, so my point may have been wrong in, in in terminologies, but not in timelines. But notwithstanding it, there's nothing wrong if we are good enough to win a tournament. I'm quite happy, and so should you be, to say yes, we're good enough to win this tournament. I'm saying, yeah, I think we are good enough. So that means that I'm ultimately not, our Jim's expectation saying, should be to win it. Jim's saying it's just going to be the time. It's not Simon. a certainty, oh, is I, it? If, if I say that it's not, it looks like I'm rooting for the camp of that Gareth Southgate not to achieve. I'm not in that position. And I know you're not in that camp. I would like England to achieve. I would like England, I'm a very proud Englishman. I would like us to be top of the pile rather than constantly building ourselves up so we can whittle it down every time we get somewhere in life. I, I just feel that there is, a, there is a difference between the, the way that Southgate manages and the way that the elite managers at international football manage. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope that we're proven to be wrong because we've not beaten anybody in a tournament. Would you call Gareth Southgate an elite manager? No. If we win, not. the Euros. 
I would no, I don't think so. Okay. I would think he's got an elite group of players and he's done a good job. But I think there's a difference so between it's nothing to do with him. Of course, it's nothing to do with nurturing all these players. All these I, years. I think I think what's what's nurtured these players is the remarkable system that we've got in domestic football. The hands over Gareth Southgate, a, a group of players that are phenomenally talented. What he's been able to do is harness those players, get rid of the background noise about tribalism and rivalries between football clubs. So you've got Liverpool on one side of the room, Man United on the other. He's been able to get the media into a more organised scrum. So it's over to Gareth. It's over to Gareth now. Then yeah. So, so, so singularly, the most important thing he does is picks the best eleven. Well, now he. And the right tactics the most to win. Important and he thing now he, has the, most important thing the he does, players at his disposal to most, do that. The most important thing he does, I would suspect, is when there's a time to make a decision that changes an outcome, Gareth Southgate is clear and present. So, so when you've got when you've got a World Cup semi-final against Croatia and all of a sudden the game's coming away, going away from you, you change it. When you've got a European Championship final and you can see what the writing on the wall, you change it. When you've got the French in a cleft position and you need to go after them and put them on back foot you change it so in the moment that's what Gareth's being able to, to make those key decisions yes then we're, all looking, for, we're all looking for you, that Martin yeah. about Gareth that in those key moments he hasn't done that yeah but I, I I tried to break that down as to why that happened particularly in the Euros final when we went ahead in a game against Italy where we changed our system to a five in the final if you want to go into the real detail and we actually went in front and stuck we with we stuck with the system but we weren't winning the game of football and it was only a matter of time before okay they scored very late but I understand what happened in the game and the reasons that led to it but I wasn't with changing the system against the Italians in the final I would have gone with a back four I think the the feeling was that midfield wasn't quite strong enough it is now we have got a top midfield to play I mean Foden I thought recently played against Newcastle by the way he didn't he sat on the bench for the next game which is a worry okay he was quite magnificent against Newcastle playing off the front so play with the two midfield players Bellingham and Rice, and play Foden off the front. What did you That's see in the, the World future. Cup? What did you see in the World Cup that gave you anything to lead us to the next conclusion? I saw us. I thought we were so poor against the USA. I thought the Iranians were rubbish, and we beat them. I think the USA was a bad night for us. Okay, I think I beat but the, that's our midfield. From, that's our midfield that. with Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham and all the things that you're talking about. And everyone gets better and improves. But we went out against the French. We lost. We, we have not, with all due respect to Gareth, because I think there's lots of things, good things that he's done. We have not beaten anybody in a tournament that we shouldn't really beat. And the ones that we got a possibility to beat or is probably on their side of the table that they're the best, we lose to. Every time. Well, now there's a great opportunity to prove that wrong, isn't and there? And that's so, what we hope for. And that's what, that's what we're all Does Gareth become towards. an elite manager, Martin, if he wins the Euros? I think so, yes. Without, without doubt. You win a major tournament like that for your country, you have to be an elite manager. And you, yet you say no, Simon. No, I think I think an elite manager is someone that does it more, does it consistently and persistently, and has. Maybe there's Arsene time Wenger for that. Would have been maybe there's time for that when he finishes um, that. So let's say he wins maybe, the Euros. Maybe he goes into, into after management. spending an hour in here with Gareth Southgate in here, him and I, who is with us, Luke Sure Pierce, excellent. I don't think him. Gareth is that bothered about what anyone considers Gareth to be. He's an honest, decent human being who's giving of his best. And he would love, of course he would, to lead England to winning the Euros. But he's not that bothered if he's spoken about as an elite manager or not. I think he just wants to be seen at the end of the day as having guided them to winning a major tournament. That's very important to him. What he, how, the perception of him, I don't think, comes into it for Gareth. He's not yeah. that interested. Well, the best people I've worked with are not necessarily thinking about themselves. They're thinking mm. about you. Yeah. They're thinking about how they get the best from the group 
very much Arsene Wenger's mantra for management. Of course, he wants to be successful himself, but it's about getting the very best from everyone around him. And that's what Gareth's role is. And if he can do that with the tools that he has available, then we can be very successful. But that's common sense, isn't it? Because there's no I in team, is there? I mean, ultimately, a manager's job is to extract the very best from the players and however he gets it, whatever message he imparts to, if he has you believe... Yeah, but it's a shared experience. If he has you believe everything's sensitive around you... It's a shared experience. So many managers, it's an us and them scenario. It doesn't work. Well, you that's have not to imagine, is it? Well, no, but it's, I've experienced it. But yeah. I don't and was feel the team that. successful? Not really. And did the manager last? In, in and out. People, managers were in and, and out. They are, then. It, it has to be a collective. And I think I do feel that very much so with Gareth, Gareth Southgate. It must be great for those players when they meet up. They know they've got a chance to be winners. They're on, they're on the road to success. Why not involve talking about winning within your conversation? Of course. We would sit down, Jim, when Arsene Wenger at the start of every season. We were recognised winners, and it was it was on the flip chart. Right, okay, guys, what do we? What is it we want to win most of all? What's the first thing? Okay, the domestic league, then the Champions League, and so on and so forth. But these were targets that we secured, and we talked about it because we were genuine challengers, and that's what England are now. So let's get used to that. Now, we'll be, maybe the Scottish, and this is not patronising. You now are regulars qualification qualification for the Euros. That's something they'll talk about, right, guys? We need to qualify. They're not ready yet to go and win it. But maybe one day you see that in your lifetime. We didn't see Play it initially. It's been many years. It's been many years where an English team really has been well, in a, a strong, in a strong position. Lifetime. I'm a realist. Um, have to be Highland. Well, you're about ten lifetimes. <laughs> you were making it to World Cups when we weren't, Jim. Yes, and I loved that. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review, whatever you get your podcast from. We'll be back Monday to bring you the best of the show.